this is a beginning point. This is the beginning of the rest of my life. I got the meaning, and I got to write it down, because I don't want to forget it. Just win, baby. And welcome back to the Gold Jacket Podcast, proudly sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has it all. You know this daily, weekly, and season-long best ball tournaments that are literally happening 365 days a year. Plus, you can play their pick and prop games, and you get five right. You can win 20 times your money. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code TNFF. You will get a 100% deposit match on your first $100. I'm your host, Gymnastic. You can find me doing backflips on Twitter at GoldJackQBs. I'm joined, as always, when I'm here by the other host of the show, Connor Donald. You could be... Or sorry, he can be found on Twitter at Connor10. That's T-E-N, not the one and the zero. He has a bunch of podcasts. He just jumped off one before this one. So you can find them all over the place. We're proud members of the True North Fantasy Football Network. Make sure to check out the entire network on Twitter at True North FFB. On YouTube, if you're watching right now, thank you, TNFF Network. And on the internet at TrueNorthFFB.com. Tonight, we wrap up the fourth week of your fantasy football, and we look... To week five. Week four was a shit show. This was the week where a bunch of shit happened. Every year it seems like this is the week. Like there is a week, but this seemed to be the week. But first up, Connor, what's happening? Bunch of shit happened, and Kyle Pitts is still not good this year. But I mean, everybody's blaming Arthur Smith. I mean, I, I think I'm starting to get on board with that as well. But I mean, what? The Falcons are two and two or three and one. So I mean, whatever. You win, you win. They don't give a fuck about your fantasy team. But yeah, week four was, um, yeah, one of those weeks in a couple leagues where you get the sleeper report and you're the third ranked team and you lost to the one or the two. That was me in a couple leagues. And I said, well, shit. But it happens. But uh, man, I'm I'm excited because, in, but like you alluded to, a lot of shit actually did happen in the league. So let's get to the stories that matter. Um, when I started, when I wrote this, it wasn't a sure thing yet. I said Mitch Trubisky versus Kenny Pickett. Where do the Steelers go? It is quite clear. Kenny Pickett was adamantly picked as a starting quarterback like we are tuesday and he's already been named the starting like this morning he was named the starting quarterback for the pittsburgh steelers this was something i had spoken about earlier in the season uh or in the off season where i said kenny pickett will be in there at some point this season jim said nah no nah, no nah, get your mitch trubisky shares i have because a mitch trubisky share. Sense. i have a mitch trubisky share in an sfb satellite league where i cannot go and do any waiver claims I think I took Kenny Pickett as well, though, so I might be safe. But Listen, yeah. it doesn't make sense, I said, from a football standpoint to unleash a kid. I don't understand. Okay, listen. Once upon a time when people did fantasy football statistics through the newspaper, rookie quarterbacks weren't thrown in week one, week two, week four, year one. It wasn't even heard of. They sat behind. They learned their trade. You were lucky if you got two years out of the rookie contract. It was fantastic. 
I'm not saying wait three years behind a starter, especially not Mr. Trubisky, but it doesn't make sense to me for the Pittsburgh Steelers to roll out Kenny Pickett. I understand. See what he's got. But do it against closed doors. Roll out a, a vanilla. Try to – because, listen, your offense is going to be different, I would I would assume, with Kenny Pickett than it is with Mitch Trubisky. So you put him behind closed doors, I think, of a franchise. You build an offense week 16, 17, 18, when it doesn't really mean that much. You throw him out there and you see what you got. Because I do agree you have to establish whether you do have something with him or you need to start looking some more. Do I think it's beneficial to be throwing rookies into the into the fire, as it is to say, in year one, as we so often are doing now in the NFL? No. Because, man, what did he do? I mean, he had those two rushing touchdowns, but, boy, howdy, threw three interceptions. Like, I don't think – like, you could shock – like, I don't know. You can ruin a kid's confidence doing it wrong. And I don't think he's going to win more games than – than Mitch Trubisky. And if he does win more games, then you're ruining, like, you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't seem beneficial to me. He either wins more games and you you hobble into a playoffs because I don't think you're a Super Bowl contender and you get a shittier draft pick, or you don't win more games and you potentially shatter this kid's confidence. I don't see the... The benefit if it's getting repertoire with the pass catchers, like you could put them in and in, in number one reps and, and practice all year. You could do that, especially if you're trying to get a better draft pick. You would not care if you're sacrificing rep like one reps with Mitch. I don't know. That's my thing. It just doesn't make sense. I think from a real it's life just, standpoint. I, I think. I think like. Well, first of all, it's fantasy football. But second of all, I, I know I know that like Mike Tomlin, one of his big things is he's never been under 500. I don't think he's ever been under 500 as a head coach, especially with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So this is a team that like, and Matt Canada's offense has just not been good. While he has an incredible last name, his offense has not been good for Mitch Trubisky. And it felt like Pickett had a better, like, okay, he threw three interceptions. I get that. But he ran for two touchdowns, which was pretty impressive for a guy whose mobility was not something. He was mobile, but not that mobile in college football. But at the end of the day, you invested in a draft class where the second quarterback went in round three. And then after that, they were sporadically placed throughout. The fact that you went in the first round and grabbed this guy, this kind of spoke to, he was the most pro-ready pro quarterback, but it feels like, you like you kind of said, he hasn't had the reps with the first team. He isn't ready to step in. That's why he went out there. He threw three interceptions. It just it didn't look that great, but he got some things going. He got that big play to George Pickens. He got the Russian touchdowns. He did some a lot of things that Mitch Trubisky was not doing, and I saw a clip where it was side-by-side. Side. Um, it was like, it was a, it was Kenny Pitt. Well, was one on top of the other. It was Kenny Pickett and Mitch <laughs> Trubisky. Kenny Pickett's taking a big hit while throwing the ball and completing a pass. Trubisky is ducking, covering, and taking the sack. And there's the, the thing here is like if you want any chance to win, and this Pittsburgh Steelers organization is one of those ones that just will not accept defeat or accept loss because they seem to be that one who always, like you said, scrapes into the playoffs, squeezes into the playoffs, does what they can to get there, get that nine and eight record or whatever they need to get. Um, and this feels like 
I mean, while I think it may be a little premature, Mitch Trubisky was bad. As a proud owner of him in a, well, a not so proud owner of him in a best ball league, he never cracked my lineup in a best ball league. That's how bad this has been for him. That's a disappointing dad looking on to a little league son. <laughs> exactly. Like in a best ball league, super flex, and you can't even fit that second fucking super flex spot one week <laughs> that you are a quarterback is just so sad so sad it, it is heartbreaking but i mean did at he the end score of the day, more or less points than baker mayfield in scott fishbowl settings this week oh, i don't know i'd have to go back and look i mean bigger went I, negative Baker went negative. I know that. Baker's probably Baker has to have gone negative multiple weeks in Scott Fishbowl's score, and he's what happened to this fucking deep ball (laughs) shit that they said was supposed to fucking happen? You gotta throw the fucking ball, you stupid piece of shit. (laughs) Looks like we are both disappointed fathers looking down on. By by the way, just just, just real quick on the rant: DJ Moore is fucking open. All right. I don't know what this Matt Rule saying. Fucking these wide receivers need to get open. He's fucking open. You know what you got to do? You got to throw the fucking ball before he's wide open. You got to anticipate that shit. He does. I am so. I am so. I wrote the article a while back for Player Profiler talking about how the right choice is Baker Mayfield, and I drew out those three key stats, and he owned those categories for fantasy quarterbacks, and. I have never wanted to say, can we get Sam Darnold back on this field? I, I, I screwed up in the article, clearly. We what missed something. Fuck. I yeah, thought last good. season was, I thought I blamed last season on the shoulder. And now I'm looking and I'm like, no, Baker's just, just that bad. It has nothing to do with the shoulder. Baker and Matt Rule are two guys who will be out of jobs in the NFL next season. Well, Baker next will get season, another job as a backup. Week. God damn it. Help DJ Moore. Fuck. All right. Next one up is another quarterback situation. It's Tua Tagovailoa. There are reports out there. He is meeting with the NFLPA's doctor for an interview, I think, tomorrow or Thursday, one of these upcoming days. There are some reports alluding to, and while I don't know for certain how true these may be, that he could be done for the season. Sue everybody you fucking can, Tua. That's that's definitely one way to look at it, but we're going to try and look at it from a fantasy perspective. First of all, never should have went into the back into the game on Sunday. Second of all, never should have played on a short week. That second impact syndrome is a real thing. Like he could have died on that football field. That we could have witnessed the death of a football player on a field, which is yep. an absolutely absurd thought. And I understand that they have this process in place. The, the fact the fact that they're sitting there in instability after going down and hitting your head is now only becoming a rule. Mind blown that that the amount of times guys have gotten up and been barely able to walk and you test them in a way and Tua to sit there and Josh and uh, Mike McDaniel to sit there and say, oh, it was a back injury. No, we the NFL PA, the NFL and the fans are not idiots. Do not. And if it's a back injury, you should be out equally as much. Concussion or back injury, if you have that type of instability. It was definitely a back and head injury. It was a neck. It was was the neck. It was the neck stem there, like a very bad. Absolutely. 
I guess for this, for the sake of, uh, of the show, the impact on the Dolphins offense, you get Teddy Bridgewater as the likely incumbent quarterback. That's exactly what he is, man. Teddy Bridge gap. <laughs> he is, but so what, what do you think this does for the offense? I mean, this is a guy who's been a bridge gap that has yeah, been to be able honest, to not, not much. I don't really think it he does sustained. That he sustains. He can sustain one guy. This hurt. This likely hurts Jalen Waddle. Like if I'm sitting there saying anything, it likely hurts Waddle. This likely hurts Kasicki. This likely plays kind of well into the the running backs' favors, like where he Mostert and Chase Edmonds. But don't sit here and tell me with any certainty you know who you're playing on any given Tyree week in Kill. that backfield. Tyree but it's Tyree Kill. Yeah, I think. And, and Teddy paid 28 fucking or 25 million, 30, 30 million dollars. Yeah. He's the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. And Tua didn't seem to get the memo, but Teddy Bridgewater, <laughs> like one of his first throws was a deep bomb to, to Tyreek. Teddy got the memo of what $30 million means to a football team. Um, But I mean, but like when you look back at Teddy Bridgewater and what he's been able to sustain offensively, this hurts a lot more weapons than it helps weapons. Steve, like I don't think he's ever been in an offense like this either. Like Teddy has a has a quick release, so I could see a faster game pay. I could see him. Yeah, he takes those deep ball shots, but he also likes the the close to the line of scrimmage plays. Where he makes his uh, does his wide receivers and running backs do do the do the dance. Remember, it was Teddy Bridgewater that made Jarek McKinnon a thing, right? Like that was that so. Was him and, if him you and were Jarek. to pick a wide receiver based oh, on Tyree. that premise, but based on that premise, the guy Tyree. the guy with the low average depth of target, the guy near the line of scrimmage creating the yards after the catch has been Jalen Waddle in that offense. Or yeah, but they can both do it. That's the thing. They can both do it, but it seems like the offense has been drawn out in a way that Tyreek is the intermediate deep and Waddle is the intermediate short guy. Yeah, I don't know. I still think it's – I don't think it's going to hurt him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's going to hurt him. I still think it's going to be, obviously, Tyreek getting the majority, but I think it's still I, – I don't know. I think it's going to be a quicker-paced offense than it was Teddy in Minnesota. I think you're going to see him throw a lot of passes, and then they, if they're both going to get nine targets, they're both. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see one getting peppered with seventeen and one getting like four. You know what I mean? Like every week that 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 thing happening, it's going to be more of a nine nine ten ten type of deal with with Gasecki probably hurting. But I thought he was going to be hurting originally anyway with Tua, right? Like when you have those two guys to begin with. So I don't know. I don't think it's really going to change. If anything, it gets better for Tyree Kill. Like you said, Teddy got Teddy got the memo. Um, if it's going to be a skew, I think it's definitely going to be to him. But I thought it was going to be to him to begin with. So I've been wrong on a few things with this fucking offense. But I mean, I mean, you also look at it like you said that this could be a 10-10 type thing. Jalen Waddle has, I mean, 17, 40, 15, and five for his showings, and his 40 point showing was the completely insane Baltimore and Miami game. And that was where he got pretty much 50% of his fantasy points this season, a little less. So it's more, it was more like that's 30% of his fantasy points came in that one giant game. And in those other games, 
It was five targets. It was six targets. It was five targets. But he needed a 19 target showing where he could catch 11 balls. 19 for targets is yards huge. And two TDs. And huge. remember, I think Tyree Kill had like 17 that game. It was a massive game. It was such an out of the ordinary game that a lot of fantasy managers were buying into as look at Tua, look at this offense. But then you saw it come back to earth. Buffalo is a, a lot better defense and stuff. But you saw it against New England. You saw it against Buffalo. You saw that that wasn't a realistic expectation for Tua, Waddle, and Tyree Kill going forward. And I'll talk about that Baltimore defense later on going forward because they are a sieve. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, running back injuries, Jonathan Taylor. looks like it could be a high ankle, although it sounds like he would like to be a go on Thursday night. So tough to say. He was in a walking boot yesterday. But, but thinks he's going on Thursday. Um, and Javonta, my show notes say potentially serious knee injury. It was a very serious knee injury. It was an ACL and it was an LCL, which has a recovery time of approximately 15 months. J.K. Dobbins had this injury and it took him 12 months. So Jonathan Taylor, I don't think we'll miss very much time. This kind of seems a lot like Jonathan Taylor looked back to this Saquon Barkley high ankle sprain where he missed like, what, two games and Freakishy came back. This doesn't affect Jonathan Taylor very much, and I wouldn't be going and, like, set buying in on Nighting Highs or anything. I wouldn't be getting into that. Javonta Williams, though, I'm interested to get your your uh, your feedback on, on the seriousness of the injury, the impact of the pick, because – there's a very realistic chance he's not ready to go to start next season that he could start next season on the pup list. And we don't see him till week five next season. Um, so what are your thoughts on Javante Williams, Mike uh, Boone, Melvin Gordon, Melvin going with like, what is it? Four fumbles, five fumbles on the year. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I like Melvin Gordon, right? Like that's a thing. Well, I'm just looking up something real quick. And I mean, I guess we have to really take into consideration how putrid this offense is in general right now. Is really bad with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson sounds like he will be a go on uh, on Thursday night, though, which is uh, which is probably a good thing. Okay, so here's my thing with Javante Williams. I wasn't really that big in the share with him. Terrible injury. Love the Melvin Gordon. So it was kind of like a Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt type of backfield I saw going at it. And I'm a big fan of grabbing the cheaper one. So I was always grabbing Melvin Gordon. So that being said, can I just jump ahead real quick? Absolutely. So while everyone's grabbing Mike Boone, right? Like that's the big waiver wire ad this week. Mike Boone, Mike Boone, Mike Boone. Right? That's everybody's fucking go-to. I'm sneakily adding Latavius Murray, who is signed off the practice squad, to the Denver Broncos. He's not going to be activated on Thursday, so you're going to have a little bit of a time to add him because people might not even really realize it. Melvin Gordon's dealing with potential neck injuries. He's my sneaky waiver wire ad. He's a thumper. He's shown he can do it back in way 2016. I understand it's a long time since then. But he's shown that he can do exactly what's needed of him when called upon, not asked to do much. He's a perfect type of committee back. He is the type of thunder that I would like to see uh, replace 
um, Javante Williams in that in that type of backfield. Obviously, he doesn't know the playbook, so he wouldn't be activated. You know, being signed on a Tuesday for a Thursday game, that's going to go to Mike Boone, and while everyone's scrambling on the waiver wire, I expect him like the week to Latavius Murray for it to open up to him. Remember that he's a guy that way back in the day as a rookie forced some pretty good, talented people out of starting role positions and ended up going with him in Oakland. So seems like a perfect, perfect type of compliment. So that as an Alvin, like, as an Alvin Kamara owner uh, in some leagues, I can tell you that he has also been a thorn in the side of Alvin Kamara owners for a little while as well. Yep. Stealing some red zone end zone touches. Getting look some what he did. Look what he did last week. 5.1 yards to carry, not asked to do much, 10 yards or 10 carries did exactly what was, you know, needed of him, and he scores a touchdown in the in the in the red zone. He's a fucking toucan. That's what I'm calling him now. Toucans, people that got noses for the end zone. Those motherfuckers, and he's one of them. They're toucans for TDs. I like it. Yeah. Um. For for me, I agree. Like we at the Gold Jacket Podcast were ones that said Javonta Williams, the investment was way too high. Nathaniel Hackett, who looks like he could maybe potentially be a one year and gone head coach is one of the guys that we said, look at what he did with Aaron Jones. He's the one who got you buying into A.J. Dillon because of the duo that was AJ, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon last season in Green Bay. Um, so we we all, we all felt like there was always, whether it was Malvin Gordon or whether it was somebody else, it was always going to be a second body that you had to worry about that was going to limit the Joe Mixon, the Jonathan Taylor, that 80% you know, opportunity in an offense there was always going to be that limitation that you'd be staring down while there's a lot of people who are sitting there well 60 40 in today's nfl in today's fantasy world that's a good split he's limited when you're picking size when you're picking him especially well look at the offense now look at the plays that they're running look at how ineffective that they are but when you look at it like you don't pick, I think Javonta Williams in the uh, offseason was going to RB4 or something. Like he was going insanely rich. If you were drafting a guy in the top five of RBs, you expect him or should, I would expect my top five drafted running back to have a 75% plus market share of opportunity in a backfield. And that I never felt was realistic for Javonta Williams. Um, and we're in a group chat where one of the guys said, sell Javonta Williams. And I, I actually stepped in and said, I actually agree with that. While you're not going to get the same return, I drew out the age thing. He's going to yeah. be, they have, he's going to be, what was it? He's going to be 23, 24 next year, 23 next year. So he's, he's gonna probably be, not even going to play until week six. Yeah. So he's going to be in the closing in on the age 24 and it, they lose 20% of their effectiveness post this type of injury and this fantasy football doctor that i followed also noted while people are going to point to jk dobbins jk dobbins is way more elite of an athlete than javante williams so jk dobbins return to this superiority as a running back is going to happen a lot quicker than likely javante williams so there's a chance that you might have a really ineffective javante williams for a majority of next season. And while well, A, you're not going to see him likely to at least week four, like you said, he's probably going to start on the pup list. And then you have a 20% less effective for X amount of time. You know, the Broncos are going to bring in another running back. I think Melvin Gordon might be under contract for a couple seasons. 
this is all making up for, okay, you're buying into a guy who's going to have his breakout year as a 25-year-old running back off of a serious knee injury. Yeah, like I said, I'm not really sold. That's a big window for somebody else to come in and perform cheap. You know what I mean? Like, and I said, Latavius Murray has fucking done it. And look at this running back, like run, running back free agent class this year. Oh my god, it's there insane. is somebody joining that it's gonna be a trio next year when Javante oh Williams comes god, back next so season. Insane. And brother, like I said, Latavius Murray might do enough on, on this year to to warrant a contract from him. Who knows? But probably not with this insane fucking running back class. There is a nice market. I think Melvin Gordon's in it. I don't think he's signed. I think he's I, I couldn't remember if Melvin Gordon got two years or one year. It was either two years it. with the first year guaranteed or one year, but it might be one year. But you yeah. might be right. Anyway. Lastly, lastly, we will uh, jump over to uh, the Atlanta Falcons because they seem to be uh, uh, an interesting point of discussion. Kyle, Kyle Pitts, Pitts sucks. <laughs> <laughs> The Gold Jacket Podcast told you. How Pitts, A, is it time to worry or is it time to buy? And B, Cordero Patterson to the IR. Tyler Algier, is he the guy or do you sell as soon as you get a good game or two? No, you're selling right now if you got anybody asking for your pie. Um, I want to know your thoughts on Pitts. I was just joking about Kyle Pitts sucks, by the way. We listen. I agree with you. We the Gold Dragon podcast was a big. You are investing way too rich with a guy like Jamar Chase on the board. Like people were drafting Kyle Pitts over Jamar Chase, so on and so forth in that class. That's that's what was that's what we were saying. The the investment there was super rich, and you know with the tight end position and having to wait maybe a couple seasons. Um, and like and I told, Pitt- the positional value of tight end is so great that I need to take it, Connor. No. And that Travis Kelsey, there's no way he can repeat as a tight end one, Connor. He's so old. <laughs> Kyle Pitts was a guy that this time last year, you were selling him if you were selling him for three times first value. I I think it's a good window to buy. If somebody is starting to drop that value on him, I think it's a time to buy. He's an extremely athletic tight end. He is a guy who's being completely screwed by a guy, Arthur Smith who I thought for certain would... I thought he was a tight end be, kingmaker. I thought he would be good for Kyle Pitts. I did think he would be good for Kyle Pitts, but I don't necessarily believe, like, you can't keep Kyle Pitts down this long and just go after Drake London or attempt to run the ball. The Atlanta Falcons are going to hit tough points in their schedule where they're not going to be a 2-2 two and two team. Let's just face it. There's no way this team finishes it now. better. With Cordell Patterson on the IR. Yeah, Cordero on the IR. Like, and I think Cordero on the IR helps Kyle Pitts. Like, where do you put those you. targets? Tyler Algier, like Damian Williams, you're not gonna put those targets in those guys' hands because they're not as effective with after the catch as Cordero Patterson. Like, not even close. And I understand you can look back at Damian Williams a little bit and be like, well, he was pretty effective. Kyle Pitts can be way more effective if you use him right. But I understand people are pointing out trends. He's playing less snaps. He's seeing less targets, all this and that. I will buy your Kyle Pitts shares for one times at first instead of the three times at first 12 months ago that you were asking. While I don't think he'll ever be that cheap or he shouldn't be that cheap, this was a guy who people were calling a generational talent. 
do not let Arthur Smith be the reason that you say, well, time, now, now might be the time to get out from under him before things get worse. Things are probably going to get better. The target share is still pretty good. And I'm not worried about his snap share going down. Whatever I've seen, we've seen, look back at snap shares for, for Arthur Smith. He leverages blocking tight ends quite a bit. So to me, not worried about Kyle Pitts. If somebody has really dropped their value on Kyle Pitts, 100%, it's time to buy but it's not time to worry. I like that. Um, I'm going to propose a trade to you. If you were the Kyle Pitts owner, mm. would you trade Kyle Pitts for TJ Hawkinson and a low first? That's close. I don't think I would, though. It's close, but I don't think I would because TJ Hawkinson had a monster game this week, but it's quite clear that there's... When if Swift I'm, is healthy, when Amon Ra is healthy... When if Josh I'm the Hawkinson owner, that's what I'm trying to push this week. That is the... That is the play right now. I'm trying to make. If I am the if I am the TJ Hawkinson owner, I am throwing TJ Hawkinson. Well, I am on. not the Pitts owner to go after and talk to, but there could be somebody ready to do a deal like that. I'm just saying that's that's the uh, that's that's what I'm trying to work on. Either like Hawkinson and another mid range player, a mid tiered player for Kyle Pitts that that's kind of blowing up a little bit and. Uh, you know, some teams are already looking, you know, one and three or two and two. And you, but you know, like they're not championship teams. You're already taking a couple hits and in some injury departments. So let, let's take on some talent and build for 23 in some of those leagues, right? So, like, that's that's the move I'm trying to make. I was just wondering, that's close for you, though, eh? as a non Pitts believer. That's close for you. Well, you're a Pitts believer, but like, if that was a higher, if that was a high end first, so I would what about probably what, do it? What player would you would you need with him? Oh man. Like with a late first, what type of player would I need? What about Pitts and what 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 other player would just Pitts? I would probably do it for like uh, it's tough. Pitts. I would probably do it for like 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 a mid-tier like wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside like that's what i'm trying to say so like who would you yeah, go like, with like like a gabe davis he, would, he would, would hawkinson no, dave, gabe, no. gabe, dave davis get get me pits no first of all i'm not a believer in gabe davis i was no you aren't but like davis, the masses but. are so like would a hawkinson and gabe you think get get you pits I think there's supposed to be a pick involved. Like, I don't think that you're going to get away with just that. Like maybe, maybe like pits in a two for that package in a one or something like maybe might get that. But like, also I'm more on the side that I think it's too soon to get off of Kyle Pitts. Oh, like, I definitely look at like, too soon. I'd look at like a DK Metcalf. I'd look at like a Drake London. I'd look at like, if people are out on CD Lamb because he was a player to buy late earlier a few weeks ago, like those are the types of names I'll be looking. Like I'd be looking like guys who right now are sitting in a spot where you frustrated managers them in a first, and I would say, okay, fine, I'll give you cockpits. Like put yourself in a really good position. It feels like 
they're more in on Drake London than they are in on Kyle Pitts right now in Atlanta. Like the target share screams it. The, Drake London is getting targeted like crazy. And then CD Lamb, I still buy the talent all day, every day. Um, it just depends where people are at with Kyle Pitts. And I'm just not in a position where the three times the first would be down that much. I'd be more at like a two times first type value for, for Kyle Pitts. So I'd be looking for a little so higher end wide receiver. I don't even really receiver. like trading the picks. Me, I like to trade. I'm a two for one type of guy. I'm more of a like, okay, like I said, I, like Hawkinson right now is my premium asset. 30 fucking plus points on the tight end position for him. He's the guy that I was screaming, don't reach out to type of grab. He was the perfect type of guy. Uh, you know, um, middle tight end one uh, points with upper tight end price tag. You know what I mean? That's that's like what I think uh, really like the five, six, seven, eight tight ends really were. Uh, elite price tags with with middling production that you know they'll, they'll boom for you one week and then and I'm not shitting on him as a as a talent I think he's he's definitely got the talent but like I don't know that's that that's me so like I'd be trying to sell him and I'd be trying to sell like fuck is this so difficult like, because like Kyle Pitts owners were like the truthers of truthers of truth yeah they were so, like, like the smoky you house. you know. Yeah, exactly. I wish he was here to to talk about <laughs> Kyle Pitts with us because he'd be like, nah, it's three times for day. He's probably the one who's sitting there saying, nah, it's four times first now, even though he's not doing well. But I mean, I just think like I, I just think like, no, I'm not I would like it's it's such a difficult position to be in, and it all depends on the manager and, and where their team is and what their stance is. But you should be way more patient with Kyle Pitts than some people are. Like some people are full on sound the alarm panic mode on Kyle Pitts, who is still, as we should point out, a second year tight end. It usually takes three years for these guys to emerge in the first place. So the fact that we we're talking about this guy's a second round breakout. Well, he was also the highest tight end ever selected, right? Yes, I, I, well, I agree. I agree with that. We spend a lot of time on the story, so we'll try and hustle through these uh, categories. Emergent hustle and the muscle. Emergent star. I got Kenny Pickett, QB for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was your buy last week. If you checked out this show on Thursday and you started pitching out some offers for Kenny Pickett between Thursday and Saturday night before everything settled on the dust settled on Sunday, you would have knew Jim told you to go buy Kenny Pickett, and Connor is going to sit here and say he's the emergent star despite you know jim's earlier thoughts on the circumstance um i just think he, he should have sat still for the year he, he was, was way one. too quickly named the starting quarterback they are clearly done with Trubisky. they're ready to move on to kenny pickett and and take a look at the their first round investment from this last season while he did struggle in the passing game it was his first time seeing action against the ones of an nfl defense um, he, he started the comeback. This was a team that was down significantly. He started that comeback. He made that great pass to Pickens. He had two rushing touchdowns. There was a clear spark to that offense that was non-existent with Trubisky through three and a half games. He's my emerging star for this week. I don't have an emerging star. Everybody that you think so, like, I don't know, Chris. Olave, it was so hard. Like, picking like, Kenny Pickett was like Chris Olave was an emerging star. Like, like everybody, should have been like, last everybody week, knows, like, you know what I mean? Like, everybody knows mm-hmm. like, like, these guys. Like, I don't know. I don't the know. The death I don't of see, the emerging. I don't see anybody. 
I don't see anybody yet. The death of the emerging star segment usually comes around week six to eight, so it could be coming. Actually, okay, ready? I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one to keep your eyes on real quick. It's Isaiah Pacheco. He's got a glint in the eye whenever whenever local media talks to Andy Reid about him. The motherfucker runs like a four three eight. Big is like big enough, dude. I think he's like two twelve, two fifteen. To keep your eye out for him. Now they're starting to add him a little bit of run. I'm not saying he's going to be taking over the CEH role. A CEH could have had a nice long distance, uh, a nice long distance pop off there last week. Look for him again this week on a Monday night or in the back to back prime time games for the Chiefs. Take on their division rivals, the fucking November rain fucking bullshit win Raiders. Um, but Pacheco is doing enough to get in now the rotation. Week one, it was a week four, uh, it was a fourth quarter blow when he got his things. I was saying, hold your horses. It's not really time to to saddle up yet with Pacheco. He still he was still hitting his special teamers. Last week he was getting a little bit of run in quarter at the end of quarter one, beginning of quarter two. So like that's significant run where he's getting where he's gonna get a little bit of action. And he's showing and he's showing some pop off. And like I said, he's been kind of like a KC little secret there where uh whenever Andy Reid's asked about him, he always has a little smirk, a little glint in the eye, and says, uh, we have we have some high hopes for him. They think the kid's kind of special. I would be expecting like a week six, week seven, real pop off. If he's gonna do it and, and take his and take his positional role in with with the team with a 60 40 split my god i thought i was frozen there connor for a second i had the fear god <laughs> fear god in me there um i think it would be about like i said week six week seven but he's a guy that i'd that, that be keeping my eye on as an emerging star because andy Reid can make those motherfuckers a hit man and and he he's the one who was really high on isaiah pacheco so if the coach is high on him maybe maybe now's the time to start buying if there's a frustrated manager and you can get something out of it player to buy i got dj Moore on this one i mean you're never going to take the truther uh out of me on dj Moore. managers are likely getting very frustrated with the circumstance but this is a guy who's coming off three straight 1100 yard seasons what has changed Look at the quarterback position. Fucking even Baker under, Mayfield. Cock even under fuck. Matt Rule. And this is the same <laughs> Baker Mayfield who absolutely slaughtered Amari Cooper, or not Amari Cooper, Jarvis Andrew and OBJ in Cleveland. He's the guy who completely slaughtered their value and made you feel like they were comp- they lost all their talent in the world. But it is just not true. There will be big chances changes coming in Cle- in Carolina. And one thing is certain, either more will go somewhere and succeed because this is the last year of his contract. Or he'll stay in Carolina, changes will happen, and he will begin to see success. It is important to note, this is his fifth season in the NFL at the age of 25. This guy is 25 years old. That is it. He is likely about to enter into the prime of his career, and he literally is a quarterback away. Look at the bridge quarterbacks that he has had to suffer through the attempted rebirth of Cam Newton, Baker Mayfield's second chance at life. Um, you just, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, you look at some of the quarterbacks he's had to deal with. It just has not been fair for him. Um, so somebody is going to unlock him. He's on the field over 95% of the time this year, which is a career high. He's seen six plus targets in four games. What is important to know his average depth of target and yak are at career 
lows on behind Matt Rule and Baker Mayfield this season. Only 65% of his targets are catchable, which which ranks 19th amongst 19th worst among wide receivers and tight ends targeted at least 10 times this season. If there's a frustrated DJ Moore manager, you absolutely go and buy that man. Absolutely. Um, love that. Mine, I already was talking about him. I don't ask if I could skip ahead. It was Latavius Murray. I told you what I thought about him. He's already been able to, if I can even bring, I can't, yeah, I can bring him up. Um, last week, you know, with only one game played, 5.2 yards of carry, 4.25, 4. 4.5, 4.4, 4.1. Like, he's no slouch. He's 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 averaging you know in the wheelhouse there of you know a nice four point two four point three yards per carry. He's a two can like I said find, finds the end zone quite a bit there. You know let's let's take a look at his at his career here six twelve eight six six five six one and those aren't like he's not been really a starting running back. Would you ever say Connor taking that immense running back rushing rushing workload? You know, like 146 rushing attempts, 146, 119, but he's still finding that end zone six, six, five, and six. So he's the guy that that I'm sneakily adding into in there with, as you've alluded to, Nathaniel Hackett, that clearly runs the RB by committee system. Well, I didn't full on finish my player to sell, so I'm just gonna pass it over to you, Jim, because I have no player to sell currently. So, Jim. Um, to be honest with me, the player to sell that I'm going to be selling was my player that I was telling you to buy last week. This motherfucker's playing stock market. It's Jamal Swaggy P. Williams, as he alluded to, as I called him a toucan last week, he got in the end zone not once but twice because toucan scores. And uh, sorry about that. He's the player. He's my player who that I'm actually uh, selling. Like I said, week last week was uh, definitely an anomaly. You know, Jared Goff, the number one quarterback, TJ Hawkinson, the number one tight end, Swaggy P scoring an immense amount of points. It was it was an insane it was an insane run there. So, but and he does score multiple touchdowns. Is a good handcuff quarterback or running back. Sorry. I'm sorry that I just got distracted there. Um, but his price tag is now increased. People are now, if you got a, if you got in on him and you bought him a little bit, the price is increased. Now I'm getting old from him because they end up playing, uh, the Patriots this week. Then they got to buy then the dolphins, which is a nice little run. Right. But then they end up playing, Dallas, Chicago, Green Bay, Buffalo, and they're all pretty rough when it comes uh, when it comes to fantasy points against uh, the running backs and, and and the tight ends there. So, so he's a guy I'm looking to get out from now. I like it. That's uh, that's definitely a good player to sell. Fool gold or fool's gold? Let's get into it. Jim, I, I'm doing this to you again, but I was wrong last week. I missed on Clyde Edwards-Alaire by a landslide when I picked him as fool's gold. This week, I'm picking the other side of the fence, a gold quarterback, 
against you guys. That's Derek Carr against Kansas surprise, City. Surprise, surprise. Fucking Connor's telling Derek Carr. This is the first time this year that I've been telling Carr, so get out of here. Had to do it against KC. All quarterbacks face Kansas City this season have had at least 34 pass attempts, 190 passing yards, and two-plus touchdowns. Three games have ended with the winning team scoring at least 27 points. Carr's a QB 12, which is about where you expected him to land. He's averaging 17 points per game. He has had that 34-plus pass attempts in all four games and 250-plus yards in three of those games. I think this is just going to be a really big week for Derek Carr because it's a divisional matchup. It's going to be a shootout with Kansas City, with Patrick Mahomes in that offense. I think this is a good week to start Derek Carr. While I didn't call Jared Goff last week, I did call Geno Smith because what is another offense in this NFL that is shooting in shootouts week in and week out? The Detroit Lions. And Geno Smith ended up being the QB2 behind Jared Goff, who was the QB1. So, yeah. If you have a chance to pick somebody that is going up against a team that it's going to be a shootout, it feels like a pretty good opportunity to play them. Fool's gold for the second week in a row. Matthew Stafford has earned the honor going up against the Dallas Cowboys. Matchups continue to get tougher on the Rams. Most importantly, Stafford, I think, I can't remember now, but the next three weeks are really bad if you're a Matthew Stafford owner. This last week was bad. This week is bad, and the next couple are pretty rough. Stafford is two straight games without a passing touchdown, two games with less than 15 points a game despite having 240 yards passing or more in all four games this season. Stafford is being sacked at a career-high 8% rate. He's at a career-low touchdown percentage and a career-high interception rate. Something tells me that elbow may be bothering him more than he wants to admit, or something is extremely different from the offensive last season. Dallas is ranking fifth against fantasy quarterbacks, allowing 15.4 points per game, and... They are second in sacks per game at 3.8, and they've allowed only one quarterback to eclipse 200 yards all season, and it was only 212 yards. So sit Matthew Stafford again. It's just the juice ain't worth the squeeze with Stafford at this point. Maybe things get easier later, but the next this week and the next couple weeks are not pretty. Jim, you got some Golden Fools gold at the quarterback position? Since since we surprisingly have you without an interruption this this week, you're an asshole. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Actually, so uh, this week, <clears throat> sorry, my my uh, sorry, my goal quarterback is going to be Zach Wilson going up against the Miami Dolphins. This is, I think, his his. I was actually close to picking Zach Sorry Wilson. Sorry about that. This man. close, this close to picking Zach Wilson, it, it's, but I it's just a, couldn't do it. It's a division game. I know that kind of scares some people off there. Zach Wilson uh, didn't look exactly inspiring as or as inspiring as we thought he would look anyway. But anyway, squeeze out a win. This is, I think, is his get right game, though, where, where he's going to end up pulling it all together. I don't know. The motherfucker can throw throw a nice deep ball. Miami's absolutely atrocious against the quarterback position, averaging, let me see, 24 and a half points. 
with a crazy amount of goddamn touchdowns. So it's okay, man. It's all good. Eight, eight touchdowns. So sorry, man. I am so distracted today. There's a lot of shit going on right here. But that's that's my gold quarterback. I don't have a, a fool's gold quarterback. I was thinking it was probably going to be Jared Goff, but then I saw who he's ended up going against, and I think that's going to be a shit show. So this motherfucker probably has a chance to crack, like, top three again this week. I don't know who to go against with with my fool's gold here. In a world where Geno Smith is a top ten quarterback and Jared Goff is (laughs) smashing potatoes, (laughs) I don't know what to say. I love it. I love it. Moving to the running back position, remind gold for me, Ramondre Stevenson against the Detroit Lions. Over the last four weeks, everything has been slowly trending up for Stevenson. Touches, snaps, fantasy points, and the rumors of the takeover coming that came just before Sunday's game. While the takeover didn't happen in Sunday's game, this feels like a game where you can really start to see a takeover happening. Detroit ranks second worst among running backs. Only one of two teams allowing 30-plus points to the position. Prior to last week, they allowed two running backs over 10 fantasy points in three straight weeks, but Penny himself exploded for 28 points. So you can basically count it as two RBs over 10 points. They've allowed at least one touchdown per week, and three running backs have already gone over 90 yards. Damian Harris, I honestly, this is a week to start Harris and Stevenson because with Mac Jones' uh, health in question and whether or not he will play, this feels like a game where Bill Belichick is going to rush that ball over and over and over. Well, I should say Matt Patricia is going to rush that ball over and over and over again. And both Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris are likely going to end up in top, end up as top 24 running backs. And uh, bonus points, like I said, uh, uh, in the quarterback position, Detroit tends to have a lot of shootouts. I feel like I'll, I feel like Stevenson and Harris could both get a touchdown, if not multi-touchdown games. Fool's goal. Zeke Elliott against the LA Rams. Zeke and Pollard have really underwhelmed this uh, this season so far, and it could be because of Cooper Rush. They are both currently the RB 36 and 37. They're both averaging 9.1 fantasy points per game. Um, so for those who had Pollard and Zeke scoring exactly the same on their bingo card, you're, you're doing a pretty good job. Rams are first, uh, Rams are number one, uh, for, uh, against the running back position, 10 points. They, they allowed their first 10 point running back this season. Um, and it was Jeff Wilson, thanks to a 32 yard touchdown run last night, which accounted for 9.2 of his 13.4 points last night. Only one has only one 50-year rusher and one touchdown allowed on the year. And they uh, all happened last night against Jeff Wilson. So I don't feel good about Zeke. I don't feel good about Pollard. So I would probably put them both as fool's gold. Jim, you got some running backs? Yeah, I got a gold running back. Um, it's going to be pretty chalky, though. It's going to be James Robinson against the Houston Texans. They're absolutely atrocious. Austin Eckler went for three total TDs. Javante Williams rushed for over 70 yards with him. Corlin Sutton was ripping them apart. Mike Williams ripping them apart. So not only is Houston, the defense, absolutely atrocious on the ground right now, but they're getting torn apart in the air, and that's what's keeping the – the ground game being able to, to, to keep going, I think, is is the fact that teams are being able to pass on them and keep them back on their heels a little bit, opening up boxes for 
for running backs. And while everyone was scrambling in preseason to get Travis Etienne because, well, you know, he had to have been the lead back. Again, gold jackets. Even though we're wearing gold, we're cheap as fuck. That's how we can afford it. <laughs> Any running back in uh, in the situation committee room that was a little bit cheaper, a.k.a. an undrafted free agent that rushed for back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, I was taking them. So uh, James Robinson, I think, is still going to feast. Damian Pierce, um, on a side note, if you own him and you don't think you're going to be a true contender, I mean, I, don't, I understand it's week four, but let's be honest, you've had half or a quarter of your season start to go through. If you think you're going to be scraping through as like the nine or as the eight, the seven, the six, maybe best to start selling him. Uh, if somebody good. is willing to pay a first round capital for him late, mid, early, I would Anything. absolutely 10 times over pull the trigger on a deal to get dump Damian Pierce for a first next season. Has I mean, to be 2023. Good. I get it. There's a lot of people out there who are starting to throw out firsts in 2024. That's just people trying to avoid because they know right now how good the 2023 class is. Don't fall for that at this point. The richest, the, the, the 2023 draft capital is only going to get richer and richer and richer and more and better for you. In the offseason, you trade Damian Pierce for a 2023 first. You can flip that 2023 first on draft day probably for a lot more so oh, yeah it and that's is, why they're holding you them. can keep flipping and flipping like you can get a really rich investment um but i agree with you damian pierce if you can get anywhere near 2023 first you gotta you'd be crazy if you're holding if you're holding and you're sitting there at two and two or one and three right now we need to have some strategy talk like, don't get me wrong. If you're four and zero and you got Damian Pierce, understand? Oh, you that, keep them. You then keep you keep them yes. and you roll. But like yes, I said, like yes. you said, one and three, two and two. You need to start looking at trading him. Maybe to a team that had Cordell Patterson. Just saying. No. I like um. It. Again, like the fool's gold. Really hard. Probably Jamal Williams. I think a lot of people would be be hyping up to him, thinking the two touchdown and the and the hype um, yardage is going to come. Understanding that uh, you know they're playing New England, they're probably going to end up. You think closing it out as much as as much as they've been in shootouts without a Mac Jones. With Mac Jones, I would absolutely agree with you. I think that would be another shootout. Uh, humming, humming with Detroit's way, but I don't think they're going to have a shootout this way. I think they're going to end up closing it out. This would, and a lot of people would think this, lead to more carries for Jamal Williams. I think he's going to end up just, just disappointing this week. He either scores multiple or he doesn't score at all, right? So, And I think this is a week that's going to leave a sour taste. He would be my fool school. I like it. Um, wide receiver... Oh, Man, like this, this one, this one, this one, this one, it, this one is tough to call, but I'm doing it because I think the opportunity is way too good at this point. Robert Woods against Washington Commanders. Woods has been the wide receiver 27 over the last two weeks. He's averaging 12.8 points per game after a slow start. Um, Burks is likely out. I mean, let's just face it. While they haven't said it yet, it seems very realistic to think that Traylon Burks will be out this week. 
Um, so there's going to be a lot of volume there. And in week three, he saw nine targets. A return to that type of volume or better is very, very realistic this week against Washington. The Commanders are the third worst against fantasy wide receivers. They've allowed multiple 10-point wide receivers every single week. So while the situation in Tennessee isn't very good, while Derrick Henry is likely going to have a monster game, while Jeff Swaim is likely going to have a great game because clearly Jeff Swaim is a tight end owned there and not Austin Hooper, while there are guys who are due to have a monster game, Robert Woods is definitely going to have a big game. I think this is going to be a week where you can start him, where I think he has that wide receiver one upside at worst. He's going to be a wide receiver two for you. That is the very worst he will be for you is a wide receiver two. Um, but that is a safe bet to put for Robert Woods this week, I feel. Fool's gold. I know I told you to buy him. But it's DJ Moore against the San Francisco 49ers. Mayfield is terrible. DJ Moore has only eclipsed 12 points two times this season with a season-high 13.3 fantasy points. The connection isn't there. The offense isn't good. It's just a really bad situation. And you're going up against 49ers, who ranks sixth best against wide receivers. They haven't allowed a touchdown to the position since week one. Lockett, Sutton, and Cup all scored over 17 in the last three weeks. None of their counterparts eclipsed eight points. So no wide receiver two has eclipsed eight points. To me, it just isn't worth the squeeze if this feels like, you know, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore could both have like nine or 10 points together. And that's just not worth it. I, I don't think there's any upside to DJ Moore and starting him this week. What about you, Jim? You got a, you got an intriguing one there. You got a couple intriguing ones. I see. Uh, yeah. My goal, my goal is Jamar Chase uh, with Baltimore Ravens. This Ravens team has been absolutely I would say atrocious against the pass, allowing Jameson Crowder with 77 yards. You know what I mean? Stefan Diggs, obviously another level, but he still had – sorry. He still had a decent game, actually a little less than, less than yards than him. Um, sorry, I'm looking for something here. I'm trying to pull it up. Where was it? Oh, Devontae Parker. That's the one. Devonte Parker like had a buck fifty on him. That's insane. You know what I mean? Like absolutely insane. This this Ravens team, I don't know. And now with Marcus Peters, this is another thing I didn't write down. With with Marcus Peters apparently screaming, being seen screaming in Harbaugh's face at the end of that Bills game and having to be separated. There's clearly animosity in that locker room. I think this is going to be a shit show. This is uh, obviously another upper elite wide receiver and Jamar Chase kind of feels like low hanging fruit there. But when you got Joe Burrow, you got Jamar Chase, you got a division game and you got a shit show of a team that has been just getting torched by, I would say second tier wide receivers and Garrett Wilson and Jamison Crowder and um, Devontae Parker. What are you going to do with Jamar Chase? As I remember when we talked about the AFC North episode, I think their wide receiver three could be any wide receiver twos in the AFC North, which is tight. They had they had a pretty solid day against Buffalo, but otherwise they are the worst team against the wide receiver position. They're absolutely shit. So, I was actually like, and, surprised I mean, I when I was like, checking it. 
for they, uh, they gave up they gave up the 42 and the 40 to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Like this could be a week where you confidently even start Tyler Boyd in your flex spot. Like this is a this is one of those games where you see where I feel Bengals. like you see Chase, Higgins, Hurst, and Boyd all have games where you're at least they're at least startable as far as a flex option goes. So you pick Chase as the low-hanging fruit. I pick pretty much anyone who catches a football for Cincinnati this week against the Baltimore Ravens. Um, we're on the hour mark. I'm not actually going to give you a, a fool's gold for here. Let's, let's, hear, let's hear your tight ends here, Connor. Because people don't really care about, about, my, about my fool's gold or, or my or my tight ends here. But let's hear about your tight ends. I'm interested gold. to hear your praise of the tight end. Gold, I got Dallas Goddard. He's going up the up against the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona ranks third worst against tight ends. And they're one of three teams giving up 20 points to the position. I picked Dallas Goddard as fool's gold last week. He actually had a respectable game. He definitely gave you a top 12 performance against Arizona. I think this is going to be a game where, the, where he just has a really good game. He's going up against a middle field that just can't see. This feels like a game where just kind of like we said, um, I bet the Cincinnati Bengals, where you can definitely, with confidence, start A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. Because I feel like, if anything, this could end up if they, it could end up as a shootout in this game. And if not, they're going to, Philadelphia could put it out of reach early. And by doing that, it would at least ensure that some of these guys like Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith have at least a touchdown to their name. So that's who I got at the uh, gold tight end position at the fool's gold tight end position it is going to be oh man i had the uh guy up here oh no one minute hold up so pat fryermuth pat fryermuth against buffalo bills the buffalo bills have been really good really efficient against tight end position the best, the highest scoring tight end was uh, Tyler Higby in week one at 8.9. Since then, the highest scoring tight end, Durham Smith of the Miami Dolphins had a 4.3. They even held Mark Andrews last week to 3.5. So for me, I am going to go with Pat Fryermuth. Uh, while I do like Kenny Pickett, while I do like the direction of the offense, um, I just don't think this is going to be a good week to have many people from Pittsburgh playing because Buffalo's defense as a whole has been very good, very efficient. So, Pat Fryermuth, fool's gold. I want to ask you just a real quick sign-off question here with the Arizona. Do you think the Arizona points against at the tight end position is skewed by Travis Kelsey's week one? Like, what are they if you took out the week one? Which team am I looking at? Arizona. Arizona. If you take out Travis week, Kelsey, he had 26. Um, Darren Waller had 17. Tyler Higby had 10. And then last week, Tommy Tremblini and Thomas, who cares? They combined for eight points. So while you it is skewed a bit, 10 points like Tyler. No, no, Higby that's good. Still gets you point, a tight end one performance. 10 points is a plug and play. It's a plug and play. 
Okay. So Dallas Goddard, I mean, all he has to do, like, that 10 points. Okay, so Darren Waller was 6 for 50 and 1. Tyler Higby was 4 for 61. Like, you could land in that ballpark right there. You could go 4, call it the middle, 4 for 50 and 1, 4 for 40 and 1. That's all Dallas Goddard has to do. And he's, screw tight end 1 top 12. He's probably a top 5 tight end. If you get a touchdown as a tight end, you're pretty much guaranteed top five top six i'll call it now he gets 78 and one on five five catches 78 yards one touchdown seven targets there you go i like it i like the prediction i like it cynthia freeland watch out (laughs) (laughs) i like it well this was it this was us uh wrapping up week four helping you get prepared for week five week four was a complete shit show hopefully week five shows to be a little bit different um sorry i apologize i'm a shit show we, we got we got tied up talking about cow pits which is fair because i think it's something to definitely consider that definitely led to a longer show um hey, we're still on an hour Exactly. Shout out to everybody listening and supporting us, watching. Make sure you rate, review, like, subscribe. If you're watching on uh, YouTube, uh, make sure you hit that thumbs up. Um, And you can follow the whole True North Fantasy Football crew. You can find them right above Jim's head, truenorthffb.com, at truenorthffb on Twitter, TNFF Network on YouTube. Oh, we have a question from Griffin Stiegman. Should I trade Cook Madison and Debo for Lenny, Alave, and Keenan. Season long or dynasty? This has got to be. Is it? Yeah, tell us, Griffin. Season long or dynasty? We need to know. It's a game-changing decision. If so, if it's season long, you, I take the Cook, Mass, and Debo package personally. Well, season, season long. Season long, you take Cook, Madison, and Debo. Well, Keenan Allen's missed two games now. Like, yeah, but you got to expect him to miss like three. And Alave's already banged out the two that you're expecting to miss. So then there you go. And Alave's been good, but Alave also has a ton of of vacated area or missed area yards that aren't there. Like I don't. And Lenny, like, if it's not Dalvin Cook, it's Madison. No matter what, it's Cook or it's Madison. That's what I hate about that side. I hate if the Cook fact is that out, you're Madison's taking the whole getting, pie. It is, but if Cook if Cook's out, Madison's getting twenty. If Cook's in, Cook's getting twenty. And Debo, well, Debo's Debo. Like if that was Swift and Jamal Williams, I'm taking that all day because Jamal Williams gets his looks even when Swift is in. Okay, so the piece of the taking, pie is are you taking Lenny, Alave, and Keenan? No, because the piece of the pie right now is Debo. And Debo's going to score more than Lenny and Olave right now, I think. Now does – and I think Cook's going to swing it more and little Cook, Madison, Edmonds, Garrett Wilson for JT and Dylan. No, I do the first deal and I take Cook, Madison – so you got Cook, Madison, and Debo then, I'm assuming. That's two ones where you're throwing out Cook and Madison. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming you have Cook and Madison. I'd be I'd be keeping them. So if you want to get off Cook and Madison, Edmonton's Garrett Wilson. 
I would go. Yeah, yeah. I would go Cook. Yeah, I would go Cook, Evans, Madison, Garrett Wilson for JT and Dylan. I would do that. I think I'd do that. That's worth the squeeze to me. In season long, like no matter what, Matt. So Cook has to miss time for Madison to be any type of fantasy relevance. Edmonds is really not that good. Garrett Wilson is doing fairly well. He has Jefferson too. Oh goodness. Yeah, he's got uh he's got a bulk of that Vikings share. I would be more apt to do the second deal because I mean Jonathan Taylor, whether he, even if he misses a week or two or three with this high ankle sprain, as soon as he comes back, JT is JT. And you know AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones are getting good looks in, in Green Bay. I would do the second one myself. Greed. I would I would do that too. Now if you, have, you, gonna, if you have that in place, I'd be hitting that deal. Especially if you yeah, got if, if it's in place, I was gonna say if the J- oh, oh my god Aaron Jones too. Good lord, he's trying to just <laughs> yeah, but stack. That, no, but no, but that's okay. I would but Jones that. and Dylan on on a week I, are startable together. Like Jones yes. can be in your RB you can roll Dylan, Dylan can be your flex. You can roll Dylan and Jones confidently RB one and RB two until JT gets back. Then JT gets back. You can roll JT and Jones with Dylan and your flex, depending on how strong your team is. I like that. Definitely much better deal because you can't put in cook and Madison at the same time. It just doesn't work. It never works, but you can use Jones and Dylan. um, So definitely agree with you on that. Where were we? Find the True North Fantasy Football crew above Jim's face head at, at truenorthffb.com, at truenorthffb on Twitter, TNFF Network on YouTube. Um, and uh, can you believe it, Jim? We are week five, and we will be prepping you for week six next week in the NFL. Oh, boy. See you all next Tuesday. I promise I'll be more. This is a beginning point. It's the beginning of the rest of my life. I got the meaning, and I got to write it down, because I don't want to forget it. Just win, baby.